All right. Well, welcome back to uh, Incredible Lives podcast, Mathieu. Hi, everyone. Hi. H- how are you guys doing? Uh, well, I'm, I'm great and I'm, um, I'm really happy that we have made that uh, last podcast because it's been a long time since we've yeah, done it. It's been a few weeks. And, uh, and I hope you will enjoy it because uh, we just interviewed... Um, uh, how could we call him? Uh, well, first of all, his name is John John Carter and his, his wife, wife Martine. Martine. Yeah, they are um, they're neighbors. They they live near Mathieu. That's English how he met them. Neighbors, yes, and uh, Irish, uh, born in Ireland, and uh, with a very interesting lives. Uh, they they traveled a lot. Uh, yeah. and lived in a, a, a lot of uh, foreign countries. Um, I hope you will enjoy that interview as uh, as we did. Uh, yeah, it was it was really fun to do. They're very interesting. We went to their house for this interview, um, and it was really incredible to sit down and find out more about this this life they've had. Um, to just give some some background here as well, just a little more information. So John, I've I've met him many years before. Uh, Mathieu did, which is really funny. It shows how small a place uh, Po is, and at the same time, it's big enough yeah, exactly. to have people everywhere. But um, I, I knew him through my through my grandparents, which is really funny. Um, but to add to that, um, yeah, they they really have lived all over. Uh, they retired here in Po. And uh, they're going to tell us uh, all about that. I hope you guys really enjoy the interview. Yeah. Um, I, I may add that um, you will see that through their lives, uh, you can uh, see the um, European history. Uh, yeah. he, he's speaking about his father and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and himself and, and Martin uh, uh, living in Germany, living in, uh, in Singapore. Yeah, uh, in Singapore. Yeah. Wow. We won't yeah, spoil it. We won't, we won't spoil it for you. But as, as much as said, there, there is a lot of history being talked about here. I think it's really interesting also to see that. Um, so John is the oldest um, interview we've done so far. Yeah. He's, 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 he's been around for a while. And the roots uh, of his family go back really far. And he talks about that. I think that's really interesting. Um, just one quick uh, thing about the sound. Um, it's not perfect. We're really sorry about that. We're going to be upgrading our sound equipment in the coming Hopefully, year. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we're going to get some real microphones out and everybody will be able to hear us a lot better. So uh, please enjoy the podcast and uh, we will be back in a few weeks with the next one. Okay. And we're on with Incredible Lives podcast here. We're with uh, John Carter. Hello, everyone. Um, John, do you want to say hello to our listeners? Yes, good afternoon or good morning to you, whatever time you'll be listening to this podcast. There we go. Exactly. Um, so we're here to talk with John about his life. Uh, John, I believe, so you speak English and French, is that correct? Just to, to yes, start things off there? I speak both English and French. Okay. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, um, the third thing, first, well, first thing words yeah, yeah, exactly. um, I haven't spoken English since uh, the last time and uh, it's quite hard for me to, to, to keep on with, uh, with that language. But uh, that's very interesting. Well, you, you were born in Ireland. Ireland. I was born in Northern Ireland in Ballymena in 1943. Okay. okay. I came to France in... 47, 48, when, when I was four years old, I landed in Pau. 
How come? I landed in Po because my father and grandfather had a shop in Po called Old England. During the, during the years of the Second World War, this shop remained open. There was only the employees working in there. Okay. My father was in the British forces, even though he was born in Bière in France, close to Pau. Yeah. Was, my father was born in Bière, but at the beginning of uh, the Second World War, he joined the British forces. Okay. He was in Dunkirk. And when he got back to UK, his regiment was sent to Northern Ireland to be re... Mm. Well, that's where they were sent. Yeah, yeah to, to be refurbished, oh, yeah. to be, uh, released, uh, to be okay. built up again. And that's why he met my mum. Okay. And uh, they got married, and then he was sent on to the... Mediterranean area, area to okay. fight the war. He was in the intelligence service and he remained there till the end of the war. So I was three years old when I met my father for the first time. Okay. But he, he also was uh, Irish? No, 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 no. He was British. British. He had a British passport. Okay. 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 Yeah. We came to France four years old, here in Pau, and uh, he started working, he was a tailor, and he started working in, uh, in the shop, uh, tailoring for men and women here in Pau. Well, like Old actually. England, the name of the shop was Old England, it was on Place Royale, and it's well known by the population of Pau. Okay. Okay. People in Pau uh, know that shop. All right. Or knew that shop. Knew that shop. That begins like uh, John Le Carré's uh, novel. There <laughs> 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 you are. Taylor from the British Intelligence. Martin is with us. Uh, Martin is uh, John's wife. He will complete the recommendation. At this time, in Old England, they faisaient not seulement des costumes, but also des tenues for the. Des dames qui montaient à cheval, des tenues d'amagone, okay. avec des, des selles spéciales pour ça. Et c'était très connu. Et ils vendaient aussi du thé. Ils importaient un thé spécial pour eux, que d'ailleurs souvent nous avons mis en petits sachets, même pour les, les mettre à la vente. Et c'était quand même assez particulier parce qu'il y avait beaucoup de, de british et d'américains à peau à cette époque-là. Indeed. Would you translate okay. Um, yeah, I can translate that. Sorry, I didn't realize everybody doesn't speak French sometimes. I'm sorry about that. So yes, uh, what Martin was telling us was about the fact that the, uh, now the shop used to make all kinds of clothes for different people. So it wasn't just men's suits. It was also women's riding uh, clothes, Amazon, um, Amazon outfits. Amazon outfit, yeah. outfit, yeah, the special skirt, you know, they were yeah. on the side, uh, when they ride the side saddle. Side saddle, okay. Mm -hmm. And, ah, because at the time in Po there was a lot of hunting. That is the main reason this was the case, and there still is a bit of hunting, but at the time it was horseback hunting, yeah? And also that they imported tea, and very specific tea. I'm guessing this tea was widely known in the, in the area at the time. It was, it was well known. 
person in the poetry yeah. is Sarikavisutila. Okay. Yeah, yeah, many people, people came to buy tea in the shop. Yeah. Mm. And then we imported words uh, uh, from Lyland Scott, Bremar, and uh, this kind of makes that were typically British. Okay. Were imported into imported. France from. Okay. So, but you went to. Shop. So you went to school here. I went to school Pope. here, yeah. Okay. And you were, you were the eldest of a... Um, was the eldest of the family, yeah. Yes. I had a brother and two sisters. Okay. Okay. Who well, I have a brother and one sister left. One, one died uh, back in 1970. Yes, in 2007, when we were in uh, Singapore. Yeah, it was 2007, yeah. Okay. Okay. In Singapore, she had a, she had a cancer. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Off. You are the only one that was born abroad? I, yes, my brother and two sisters were born here in Po. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, so. I met Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. It's very kind. And um, also um, uh, working with horses. And uh, She's been, she spent 38 years as a secretaire de la Société d'Encouragement here in Po. Okay. That was okay. at the Hippodrome. And so that shop, uh, you, uh, how, how was so it So Old England, well, my father died of a heart attack back in 1972, and that's when uh, the business was... Uh, was sold. Was sold. Okay. You, you, you didn't, I mean, so... No, we didn't take over. You we didn't never, take over. We never got on that well without our father, so... Okay. Mm. That was the reason. <laughs> that was, yeah, was part of the reason. Okay. okay, so when you were 18 and you, so you went to school here until you were 18, I'm guessing yeah. until you passed your back, is that correct? Le brevet élémentaire industriel was called then, okay. the BOE. And All then right. I went to Glasgow to serve an apprenticeship as a draftsman. Okay, because at the time you spoke both French and English already yeah. at the, at yeah, the, yeah, at that, that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, well that's all right. Well, yeah. when I landed in Glasgow... You thought you spoke English. <laughs> I discovered that when I was asked, where are you comfy? I didn't yeah. know where I came from. <laughs> okay. I go in the tomb. I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> and I, it takes quite a while for your ear to get accustomed yeah. to the Glaswegian accent or the Glaswegian way of expressing English. And when you're up in Scotland and you tell a Scotsman or Glaswegian to speak proper English, you get into trouble. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And that's where you discover that there is up in UK, a big difference between uh, the English community, the Scots, yeah. the Welsh, and the Irish. Yeah, it's very different. Once you've, uh, after having spent 18 years here, you, know, you don't know about... Well, my mother used to speak to us about what she had experienced up in Ireland, but yeah. it's only once you get into these things that you... Truly really understand. As you truly understand and find out. Okay. Where, where is your mother from? She was born, well, she's Irish. Okay. She was born in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I, I, I have a question about, so your, your childhood here in Poe, were there a lot of people at that time here who spoke English as well as French? Well, there was the British and American community. Okay. Uh, we went to every fourth Sunday of the month, we went to St. Andrew's. Okay. The St. Andrew's Church was Which is, which open is still there today, yeah? Yeah, it's still yeah. there today. Do it was every married? fourth Sunday of the month because uh, the, the priest who came over did uh, Toulouse, 
Biarritz, Pau, and uh, Toulouse, Biarritz, Pau, and what was the fourth one he did on the Sunday? It was up in Luchon or so. Okay. There was a big British community up in Luchon or so in those days. So we, we did uh, those, we just went around yeah. those four towns and every fourth Sunday we had... A, you had a service? We had a service. Okay. But then I went to uh, the French Protestant church in the Rue Serviès. Okay. And that's where I did my Sunday school. Okay. The Col du Dimanche, they yeah. call that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And I was with the, the, the Boy Scouts and... In that particular church, yeah, the youth of Poe used to meet there. Used to meet there. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. That's really interesting. What was um, Rue Salvias like at that time? Was it was it already a, a emergency with shops or? Yeah, it was. A, it was one of the main shopping centers of Poe. Rue yeah. Salvias was. Yeah. And I'm guessing horses in the street and buggies or cars no, already no, at the time. Cars. No, no cars. Yeah? cars and bicycles. Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. now it's. Closed for it's only it's only yeah, for yeah, walking. Yeah, it's only for walking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so Glasgow. So how long did you stay in Glasgow for your for your apprenticeship? Uh, four years, and I was three years in the YMCA in Glasgow. Okay, living with uh, Pakistanis, Indians, Chinese from Hong Kong. Uh, what else did we have? Some people that came from Africa, okay. South Africa, and Kenyans. Well, that, well, that was a big mix of. Uh, of we were all young and living in YMCA and going out together. Okay. That's where I learned how to drink beer. <laughs> That's uh, coming from here, we had never drunk any beer really. Okay. And a pint of beer would. Yeah, a pint of beer would, would last for me the whole evening. <laughs> and uh, the rounds were going around quite quick when once you're in the group. Uh, yeah. Your round came came round quite fast. Okay. And you had to get used to it, to that. Well, I got used to it. Oh yeah, I got used to it. Okay. And and what and what, and what followed Glasgow? What was the next? Uh, well. Destination. I got fed up with living in Glasgow, being in, because uh, then I took digs on, on my own and the digs were cold, uh, the houses were damp. They, okay. But you were studying there uh, as a... Well, I did an apprenticeship as a yeah. draftsman and uh, right. I was a, I was okay. a draftsman once okay. I finished. Okay. But uh, I didn't want to remain up there and I joined the Air Force, the okay. RAF. I spent five years in the RAF. Okay. Over five years I spent in the RAF, I considered I had a, at least three years' holidays. Okay. That's First year, well, you have eight weeks of basic training. training. Yeah. That's okay. Then you train in the trade that you're in. I was in the supply squadron. Okay. Do a training for supply squadron. I did uh, nine months in. Uh, in bomber command, okay. that's you got to obey the rules there, and mm-hmm. there's uh, you're quite busy with bomber command. But then I went off to uh, El Adam in Libya. Okay. That's thirty six kilometers south of Tobruk. 
Arya Feladam. And Arya Feladam was to the authorities. Right. Because we were just a kind of it's a base where the Air Force used to come through, land there, and uh, fuel up again to carry on to the Far East. Okay. And the army used to come out there to train in the desert. And we go there just to cater for... For everybody. For everybody that yeah. to come, come and go. That must have been great fun. Well, it was, because there wasn't a lot much to do. I was in the, in the desert rescue team. I was sailing every weekend. With friends, we bought a boat in uh, Cyprus. We sailed it all the way back to Tobruk. <laughs> we... So adventures, lo lo lots of adventures. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was. And so the last year I said, look, you've had two years where you've enjoyed yourself, go to join the RAF regiment to see what the army is. Okay. So I joined the RAF regiment, did the training with them. And the regiment in 1969, because I left Libya, did Libya, 1967-68, Gaddafi came to power in 69. That's okay. when Great Britain left uh, Libya. And, but in 69, that's when the problem started off up in Ireland. Okay. And the regiment I was in was sent to Ireland to uh, patrol the, the border between Northern Ireland and the state of Ireland. But anyone who was born in Northern Ireland was confined to camp. So, so I was stuck in camp. I was detached to a regiment that had left and I was confined to camp. So I worked in an Afri bar for one year. <laughs> okay. So the last year I did in the RAF, I had free beer. All right. <laughs> Let's work on those Glasgowian uh, technique. Yeah, 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 you are. <laughs> that may not have been a, a bad thing. And so. when I came back, I was demobbed in 1970. And in 1970, I decided I'd come back to France. Okay. Came back to Pau, looked for a job around Pau. Because your family was here, right? Because my family was because here. Because your family was here, okay. My father asked me, well, why are you doing coming back here? Mm -hmm. Your life is in UK. I said, no, no, I find a job somewhere around here. So I looked for a job uh, with, uh, I started off with, uh, uh, what do you call them? Helicopter uh, manufacturer here, yeah. uh, um, Turbomeca. Turbomeca. Yeah. No jobs in Turbomeca. Went to the coast for Avion Marcel Dassault. Yeah. No jobs with them. Uh, and landed in Toulouse with Aerospatial. And at okay. Aerospatial, the person I met was from Po. He was director of uh, an electronics department. That and they were looking for people people who could speak English or oh, okay. could have speak English. And it's because I was bilingual that I got a job with Aerospatial. Uh, okay. Because I wasn't French, I was still... Well, yeah, you were still... Well, I, I, was, I still had my British passport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I got my job with Aerospatial and it's when Great Britain joined the common market in 1973. And I had no problems with my British passport and I kept right. that and okay. yeah. never tried. Well, at the beginning I was looking at 
obtaining French nationality. Okay. But it was an expensive business having to get all these documents translated yeah. by uh, the traducteur assermenté yeah. that you got to pay. That, Every time, mm, yeah. Well, things build up, costs yeah. build up, and never got to the end of it. And uh, 1973, no more problems, no need a work permit, no need a permit séjour anymore or anything like that. Yeah. So until well. September last year, yeah, I so. where I <laughs> said, Rexham might should have to do something about it. <laughs> so I spent 83 euros to get an Irish passport. There we go. You told so, me that. So I got an Irish passport to remain European. To remain European. Yeah. Very good. And I read that uh, you're not the only one that uh, oh, no, Irish passports are, are... Many, many, many people have had applied for yeah. Irish passports. That's true. So you so you were living in Toulouse then, at that point? So I lived... Yeah, I, I, we moved, I moved up to Toulouse. I spent 20 years in Toulouse. Okay. Do you, did you like Toulouse? I liked Toulouse. Toulouse. Yeah? yeah, I did. Yeah. So I prefer I prefer Toulouse to Bordeaux. Okay. It's a lively city. It's full of young people. It's yeah. Uh, That's an age-old it, debate. There's, there's many Europeans <laughs> living in Toulouse. It's a mixture of uh, British, German. Yeah. Well, when traveling, too. when I traveled from Toulouse, I used to say that. Toulouse is one of the most European cities you can find in Europe. Okay. Because back in 1936, the Spaniards came to Toulouse. Yeah. They settled down in Toulouse. The second and third generation yeah. Spaniards remained in Toulouse. <coughs> so the Spaniards were integrated to the town. Then after the Second World War, it's the Portuguese that came over to work on building sites. Okay. They settled down <coughs> in Toulouse, were integrated. Concorde brought in British families. Yeah. At the end of Concorde, these British families just crossed the road and joined Airbus. Yeah. But brought in okay. German families. Yeah. And they've settled down and integrated into Toulouse. And the ATR 42, Grand Transport Régional, yeah. brought in the Italians. Okay. <coughs> And all these people are still living in Toulouse, mm. well integrated to, to the town and to the area. So, so, so you say that because there are, there are European populations of different nationalities who are on second, sometimes third generation living in Toulouse now, thanks mm -hmm. to, the, to the aerospace industry that, that, and that has flourished there. The children that are born there are brought up in the Lycée International. And yeah. They're all bilingual, and most of them speak a third language. Yeah, okay. A third European language. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. very interesting. C'était assez drôle d'ailleurs quand il y avait les les, les fêtes comme Guy Fawkes où il me brûlait une une bûche de foin. Yeah. Parce que les enfants, ça parlait anglais avec les parents. Moi, je les entendais là quand ils étaient en train de jouer. Ils parlaient en français pour pas que les parents comprennent ce qu'ils étaient en train de ouais. dire. Moi, j'ai compris. <rire> ils s'en sortaient quelques-uns. Et ils n'étaient pas très vieux. Mais c'était Yeah, of course. So, so Martine is telling us about how when they were living in Toulouse and all the children 
would would be playing together at, at different uh, festivals. So in this case, uh, Guy Fawkes Guy, Guy, Guy Fox Night. Uh, that they would all be speaking in English uh, with their parents, but the minute they were speaking together, they used French, so their parents wouldn't understand. And I mean, I come from a, from a bilingual family, and I know that we did that when when we first arrived in France. The children learned French much faster and than our parents. parents. And so we could use French before our parents understood what we were saying. We could use French to, to, mm. to say stuff between us. And then at home, our mother used to always speak to us in English and we yeah. used to answer in French. Yeah. Uh, that's what I have the problem with my children, they do that. Yeah. You speak to them in English. I speak to them in English and they speak in, to me in, in French. And they'd answer you in French. Yeah. But my eldest daughter has now understood that when we're walking down the street, she can speak to me in English and no one can understand. So she does that now, which is kind yeah. of fun. But yeah. A, yeah, but you can't do that because uh, we speak English with Kitri, my wife. Yeah. Um, preparing uh, Christmas and uh, our daughter can't, can't understand yeah. that, but it's quite convenient. That's uh, for, the yeah. Yeah, for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's convenient for the moment. So you introduced, did you, did you work for a few different companies while you were there? No, no, no was, in, I was partial all the time. Okay. For, well, when I worked from 1970 to 1990. Was I was special. Okay. What, what Always in the same department. Yeah. Well, I started off in the purchasing okay. uh, area of the department. Then I'm, I stuck with a system that was being manufactured. There were two groups in this, de in this department. One that worked on avionics and one that worked on a system called ATEC, Automatic Test Equipment Complex. At the beginning, this system was called Appareil de Test Equipment Concorde. Okay. But when Concorde stopped, stopped yeah. they decided that they would carry on with this concept and test everything that's electronics, avionics, okay. on First of all, Caravelle and uh, on Boeing, Douglas, Lockheed, okay. anything that's flying yeah. and has got uh, a maintenance manual. This maintenance manual can be translated into uh, an automatic test orientated language okay. that will allow it to be tested automatically. Okay, that's really interesting. Ah. So uh, I slipped into this department and I was working with them on drawing up proposals and uh, for airlines and okay. then I started traveling to present the system and to provide these proposals okay. to potential airline customers. Okay. That's, that's when I started in my, yes. That's when I started my traveling uh, all over, well, mostly the States, you, Europe. Uh, you already knew Asia. each other, Miss Martina. Uh, where, where did oh, you yes. and when did you meet? Well, we uh, say that we met. She was a friend of my sister's back in 1966 when I was on okay. leave from the okay. RAF. Before I went to Libya, we knew each other already. Okay, so you you both went to Libya? No, 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 no. no, no uh, I did not understand. Uh, so they met. So you, so you met before you left for Libya. Yeah, I met before yeah, I was in Ariel. Oh, okay. Because Martin, okay. you are from here. I was born in Pau. Yes. In Pau. Okay. 
when I was studying with Stephen Poe at the University and the uh, Ecole Supérieure de Commerce. Okay, in the business school. Mm. Interesting. I worked in the business school <laughs> <laughs> here in Poe, and I got a degree from them. Yeah. Et entre parenthèses, au sujet de, de Guy Fawkes, je me souviens maintenant. Quand je suis, John uh, was traveling somewhere, so I thought, oh, I go myself for myself, and that's it. And, and when I arrived, a friend of us, Martin, Martin, it was not, he was agitating, Martin, Martin, the wall has fallen, the wall has fallen. Je dis, qu'est-ce qu'il me raconte? C'était le jour d'un shoot du mur de Berlin. Back in 1989, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, cool. So it's not the parliament that blew up, it's, it's the wall that fell. It's the wall. Probably a little more useful. <laughs> it was the same day, okay. So when you, when you worked for, 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 for them, how far did you travel? Did you go all the way around the world? Because you said America and Europe. You, well, you, you traveled for them? All over Europe, all over the States. Because the airlines... Most of them have their maintenance center in the cent in the middle of the country. Yeah. So uh, from south to north of the states, I, you could go down to I, see all the airlines. I visited most of most of the airlines. Okay. Then I was in Seattle with, with Boeing. Okay. No, I, I always remember when one of the times I was with Boeing, they were coming. They were still producing the seven two seven. Okay. They were bringing out one aircraft every working day. Wow. And in Toulouse, we just did one Airbus every month. Right, okay. So, <laughs> you know, you feel about yeah, uh, it's that all, high when you're... Yeah. You, I never said anything, but, you know, you're, you're there. You, you're visiting wow. this assembly line. And yeah. All these men, all these aircraft lined up. Come back to Toulouse, you see one, uh, it's just one airplane on the assembly line. <laughs> they it do it one by one in France. <laughs> and just before, just before that was the period where we were manufacturing in Toulouse what we call white tails. That's okay. an aircraft that doesn't have a customer. Okay. It's only back in 1977 that this lease agreement special lease, I don't think they paid much for their lease, but the Eastern Airlines got some of these white tails, these aircraft had no customers, yeah. they were leased to Eastern Airlines, and that's where Airbus started taking off. Yeah, because people could lease their airplanes. Because, well, no, Eastern Airlines leased the aircraft, yeah. they were so satisfied with them, they made so much profit with them that... Uh, Business really started off for yeah. Airbus. That was that was a big day, day for yeah. Airbus, a big thing to Okay. okay. But, uh, and then uh, we started designing the A3, the A310, uh, smaller aircraft that had uh, quite a few customers also. So uh, we we did all gained some. Uh, we some, we uh, gained some. How do you say recognition. that? Uh, recognition. Recognition. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or Europe gains some recognition. <coughs> because it's very. Pendant tout ça, nous avons passé 20 ans en Allemagne et nous sommes partis 
Yeah, but that was up to 1990. I was in this department, but I was always in the same department. Once you stay somewhere too long, you get stuck with the old business. Yeah. (laughs) Because you know, you've got the experience, and uh, it's the young ones that are on the the up-and-coming thing. So uh, So I knew that Airbus were looking for someone to go to Hamburg for two years. Okay. Two so, years. <laughs> Martine is laughing at this, at, at, at this comment two of two years. <laughs> I signed up for this. My father did the same thing to my mother and uh, we stayed in, in uh, Polynesia for 20 or 25 years. I signed up for that and uh, I was sent to Hamburg. We moved up to Hamburg. And then, at the end of two years, uh, my contract was renewed. And the other three years, it was renewed again. And the yeah. Germans kept me like that up till Toulouse told me you're 65. You've got you to, have to retire now. You've got to retire. So we spent uh, 19 and a half years up in Hamburg. In Hamburg, okay. So you speak German as well, I, guess, I take it. No. no. Martin speaks fluent German. Okay. But I, I worked in English. Yeah. It is common among a lot of the lads in Toulouse, the British lads in Toulouse. Yeah. Mm. They work in English. Yeah. At home, and everything is English. In home, everything is in English. Yeah. And uh, the wives, they go out and they meet. Yeah, they speak the language. They, they yeah. speak French. Yeah. But uh, the person who's working, he's got to make a big effort to, yeah. to learn the language. Okay, that makes sense. And in Germany, I was, was traveling a hell of a lot. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Nearly every month I was down in Toulouse. Oh, okay. You were still moving Liaising around? with uh, what was happening in Toulouse and what we were doing in the office. And, and uh, it was the... after sales uh, for Airbus and uh, we, we kept an eye on our uh, customers to make sure that vendors would not provide them with more spares than, okay. yeah, yeah. than what they needed. Okay. And for each type of aircraft, uh, you need a specialty type tools. And yeah. so we had to provide each and every one of our customers with uh, with everything they needed. Did you with also, uh, this list of tools, the price, where to buy them from. Yeah. Did you also travel in the uh, Middle East or in Asia? Or well, I traveled. The only place I didn't travel much was in South America. Mm. Okay. Why that? Because they don't they make are, airplanes. Yeah, maybe. No, because <laughs> no. well, one said speaks Spanish, uh, and uh, I don't know. And, okay. Uh, so in Canada, is a. I was in Newfoundland. I was in uh, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Montreal. I, the states. I did all over oh, the states. I got an anecdote in the States. That was back in the time I was still in Toulouse, traveling with my boss, visiting one of our suppliers in the States. And the, the CEO, the, the boss of this company, was making us visit his company. Yeah. And the thing he was really proud of 
and insisted on that in his company only white people worked. Yeah. There were no colored people. When I heard that, you know, his, mm. I was still, it was, I don't know, I must have been about 31, 32 years old when yeah. uh, doing that visit. And those are things that I'd never encountered before. Yeah. That kind of uh, uh, yeah. way yes. of thinking of... Systemic uh, racism. Yeah, so you yeah, can yeah, do, you can say it's um, basically racism, yeah? Yeah, I'd, I'd never met that before. Yeah. And another thing is, uh, traveling a lot in the States, I decided that I'd prefer the freedom we have in Europe yeah. to the freedom the Americans are talking of. Well, they conceive Because freedom very differently than we do. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we just do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. We, we don't have the same way of seeing things at all. We don't. No, not at all. <laughs> I prefer being in Europe than being in the States. Yeah, yeah, same here. Same here. But I was brought up to think that America was a great thing. and There, there are good things about America, but I think that the, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that are hidden from the rest of the world through through movies and through marketing pretty much mm -hmm. um, it's not really propaganda because it's not what it is but I think that the average American himself doesn't even un understand the, the 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 real differences between America and the rest of the world a lot of people in America don't realize how how different it is in the rest of the world compared to America we had Eastern Airline engineers training on the automatic test equipment yeah. that we had in Toulouse and it was in the years where the big fashion for French cars were to be topless on beaches okay they couldn't wait till the Friday evening to rush down to Narbonne to get yeah. to the beach <laughs> to see the topless French cars okay. yeah. yeah that's That was that's freedom. <laughs> their attitude. Yeah. Their way of saying, okay. seeing things. Yeah, no, okay. it's, it's a very good point. And yeah. then uh, we had a, a friend of ours who was assigned uh, for after sales uh, up in New York. And when he used to go to the beach, his kid wouldn't keep uh, his bathing costume mm -hmm. on. The first thing he did would take it off and rush yeah. into the water naked. He had problems because the kid did that. But the kid was, I don't know, five or six years old, okay. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's That's those way of thinking exactly. that yeah. very shock Europeans. Yeah, mm. it's very different. It is very different. The, the, the average American is very close-minded. Um, unfortunately, not as open as I think a lot of people in Europe are. Um, but I think Europeans are more stubborn, much much harder people than than Americans. Uh, but it's just a different culture. I think it's very, very different mm -hmm. from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In that case, it's very true. But the racism in America, I mean, I, I felt it a lot when I first came here to France, at least. Um, I had a big culture shock, personally, from the fact that there weren't very many black people. Lots of Arab people, because lots of people come from, from, from Northern Africa. Uh, but black, black people in Po, there weren't very many when I, when I first no, got here. And I grew up... The, now there, there's lots of black people in, no, in Po. When I was a student at yeah. the School of Commerce, yes. There were? Yeah, we had some, yeah. Well, I, I arrived in 97, and uh, there was one black person in my school, uh, and that was in 99 when I went to the regular school here, uh, the regular college. It was 
no, two black people, it was brother and sister. And I grew up in a, in a black neighborhood in, in, in America where everyone's black and that's just, mm -hmm. it's refined. It's just like, you know, everybody's black, that's it. And here it was like, wow, there are no, and I went to Paris once about a year after arriving here and I just felt much calmer because there were black people everywhere. And I was like, oh, okay. I finally understood what the problem was for so long is that I'm so used to having multicultural around me and people with different color skin and from different places. And when I first came to Po, it was very, I was, wow, this is very closed. And I lived in a small little village and you don't, you don't meet very people from other places. That's and right. In the beginning, it was very interesting. Now it's much different. But it was much more multicultural than it was already 20 years ago. To say, hey, it's changed this, a lot. We had one Chinese and one Cambodian. There we go. <laughs> Two people. <laughs> and I met, for chance, the Cambodian one in Toulouse one day. And we called together and we said, Oh, <laughs> you are here? <laughs> and and he said, Yes, I'm opening a restaurant soon. Yeah. And then we were eating at the restaurant. But that was in the time where they had the problems with the Khmer Rouge and uh, there were this genocide in Cambodia. Yeah. yeah. That was back in those days. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't able to go home after his studies. Mm -hmm. yeah. He had to remain in France. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, let's move it along to the story a little bit because we've got about never, 12 minutes to go yeah, here. And then you're never... Uh, all the time I've been in France, I've... They call me uh, l'anglais, or I yeah. was never recognized as being French. Well, you look very English. But over in Great Britain, yeah. it was called Frenchy. Yeah, of course. Or Froggy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you're never... Uh, <laughs> you never come from one place. No, you never come from one place. <laughs> but that never bothered me, really. Yeah, okay. And then we did, uh, well, I, I did my, uh, my 19 and a half years, nearly 20 years up in Germany. Instead of two. And uh, instead of two. And then we ended up uh, coming back here. So when you retired, you came yeah, back to yeah, Po. We came back. That to was Po. the plan. Okay. And 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 why why Po? Because you because you came from here originally, or so I came from here originally. Yeah. I have a brother who's yeah. Yeah. Martin has a cousins here. Your okay. mom was still here when we My when we retired. Was here. What about your children? Uh, Wendy. When she she was born here or in Germany? No, no, she was no, born she here. Was born in here. Okay. okay. So you have one daughter. One daughter, one daughter Wendy. Yeah. Okay. She had uh, a party for her fiftieth birthday last night. Ah, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, congratulations. Northeast from France. Okay, but she lives in France still. Yeah. Today. Okay. Oh, but she's been uh, in Tokyo. She's been. Uh, for, uh, yeah, she's worked in Tokyo she's for five years. She's in uh, New Zealand, over. she was in Australia, she was... All over. So what is it they say? She's a, she's a chip off the old block? Is that <laughs> yeah, the right way to say it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and just because, because you're here as well, Martin, what, what, what did you do during all this time that, uh, that John Germany. was off running around? In Germany. In Germany, among other places. On Sundays, I was marching with a Schützenverein. Okay. <laughs> and... Uh, well, after a week I was there, I, uh, I joined the shooting club. Okay. And uh, oh, they welcomed me very, very kindly and we talked very well. Okay. Do you, do you still have some friends from... Uh, where was that in Germany? Where I think Hamburg. Uh, Hamburg, yes. Yeah. We told that already. But the little town was uh, Hellingen. Okay. 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 And you still have friends from that 
from that time of your life that you guys are still in touch yes, with? Yes. Yeah. We still receive some Christmas cards. And we yeah. Have, we get Listen, news on the web. And we <laughs> people forget. Okay. And so, so, I mean, you, you, you have a very nice house here in Po with a garden. Um, I'm, is this where you guys, you retired straight to this house? You bought it or, or how, how did this come about? Did no, you build we were, this house? We were looking for a home and uh, this is the house we, we, came we stumbled on. on. Okay. Okay. And uh, well, it's not very far from where my sister lives. She lives in front of St. Ursula. Okay. And uh, it's on the right side of Po and... Was very close by. Alain Bibodeau, a friend Alain. of ours, uh, ah. goes back to 1955 when we met uh, Alain Dubodeau and uh, he, I discovered that well, he would be my neighbor. Yeah. So, okay. it's, so Alain um, is just for people who are listening, is Mathieu's father in law. Uh, that's <laughs> exactly. Great, great the, the great uncle of my wife. There we go, yeah. sorry. Uh, why we are now no neighbors and. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you were very close from uh, from uh, yeah. And back in uh, when I was young, I knew this place was just okay. uh, the Chateau Mirion. Okay. And uh, and fields. Trees in the park. Oh wow! Okay. There's no houses. There's no there. houses because it's now one of the nicest areas of Po. I mean, a, with the these view. These were sold back in uh, in the sixties. Okay. But uh, I knew uh, this place before. Uh, before that. Before that. Incredible. Okay. It's and amazing. I played the uh, gendarme au voleur. Uh, yeah. But that was when we went home uh, in Saint Ursula, yeah. Yeah. So, so you went to school down the street then? You went to Saint Ursula? No, no, uh, no. No, no. Uh, when we arrived here, I was uh, at the Lycée Saint Cric. Oh, okay. At Lycée Saint Cric. Well, that's okay. it. Across the street from where yeah. Mathieu's and I, our daughters, go to school. Okay, that's thank really you. interesting. That's pretty incredible. Well, thank you very much. I think our time is up because uh, we have uh, yeah. some uh, a limited time. But um, it's been very nice to to hear uh, about your your lives uh, in uh, all those places. And uh, and uh, um, thank you very much for that. It's been very interesting. Yeah. Um, I just have one one last thing I want to ask you about before we sign off. There's a, there's a saying in Po that I have heard for many years um, from people who've come here. Uh, it's that once you come to Po and you live here, you are you are going to come back. And this is like a it's it's like a postulate. That's the way it is. That uh, when you live here or you've come here, you always come back to live here. A lot of people and a lot of people do. Um, do do you feel that that's true about about this place? I wouldn't have left uh, Germany. <laughs> you wouldn't have left Germany, okay. <laughs> or Singapore. Or Singapore. Singapore. Because you had lived in no, Singapore no, no, as well. Uh, well, well. Yeah, we did. I, I looked after Singapore Airlines when I was with Aerospatia. When I joined uh, Airbus and I arrived in Hamburg, the first file they gave me was Singapore Airlines. Okay. Because they're a difficult customer to, to get along with. Okay. And... Uh, I started going to Singapore when when there was a Chinatown okay. in Singapore. 
today the tent Chinatown has disappeared. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but <clears throat> we've done two six month spares in Singapore. Yes, okay. And so uh, when uh, I was assigned out there for for six months, Martin came with me and okay. we were there together. That's fun. But Singapore is okay for a year or so. Yeah. Mm. But you. But it's a great place to live then. Yeah. You think it's for a short time. Uh, for a short yeah. time. For a short yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. But here yeah, it's. You had to leave. Because Martin says that you you had some friends there. Yeah. Uh, okay. And. Uh, oh, Lillian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, no, it's. She was Buddhist. I was Catholic. Mm. She came to Catholic church, and I went to a Buddhist. <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay. In church, we used to go to Notre Dame de Lourdes in Singapore. Okay. Notre Dame de Lourdes. They have a replica of the Lone Grotto. Yeah, but there are a lot of Catholic people there too. Uh, and. Uh, I think we're good on time. I'll let you finish, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you, John and Martin, for allowing us to come talk to you today. Um, and for all listeners, please uh, drop us a line, and uh, we will be back uh, next week. All right, thank you.